today. In Jesus' name, church, if you agree, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, praise the Lord. What a joy. What a joy, loved ones, it is to be back together. Let's get into it. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1, and we're going to go on up to and including verse 10. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. And here we are, by God's grace, we made it, loved ones. We made it. It is the final message in our series, Jesus over the church, living in an uncommon community. What a, what a, a nine weeks it has been. Amen? Just seeing firsthand again and again and again the blueprint that Jesus has given his church and that he promises to bless and glorify his name through. And so let's make sure we're clear on this one more time. Let's read this all together. You will see it on the screen. What is an uncommon community that Jesus calls his church to be? Let's read it together. Ready? Let's go. God's people living out God's word together by God's spirit for God's glory. As we've said again and again and again, all of the approximately 41 another commands in the New Testament are summed up in that statement right there. And we'll bring us back to, as we close out the series, let's go back to the very first thing we started this series with, this beautiful quote by author, pastor, blogger, Tim Challies, and he said this, remember why this is so important, why the church is so beautiful in God's eyes. Ready? Here we go. By studying redemptive history, we come to see that the church is not something God invented because all his other plans had failed. It's not like, oh, I did, that didn't go well, so I guess we'll put the church in there. There's plan B, there's plan C. There's No, 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 no. It wasn't something he put together that he invented because all his other plans had failed. Rather, the church was the culmination of all God's plans for his children. Think about that statement. Church, when done the way God intends, gives us just a taste of the perfect community we will experience in paradise. Wow. There's the beauty of the church. If I could sum up what Chalice is saying there, it is this. The church is to be a picture of the community of heaven on earth. The church is to be the picture of the community of heaven on earth. How? Well, we've looked at it over these past eight weeks through uncommon endurance, holding fast, holding fast to our confession of faith in the gospel, and then not forsaking to meet together, but stirring one another up all the more as we see the day Christ comes back approaching more with greater fervency, stirring one another up to love and good deeds. We see the picture is to be, the church is to be the picture of the community of heaven on earth through its uncommon focus, where we lay aside the things that hinder, the sin that so easily entangles, even the things that aren't sin but just aren't helpful, laying them aside and then focusing our eyes on Jesus, the eternal perspective, the author and perfecter of our faith for the joy and glory that await us with him. That eternal perspective is so important. We see this, the community of heaven on earth, through an uncommon humility. The church is to be casting her anxieties on the Lord, individually, corporately, knowing that he will sustain us 
And he will exalt us at the proper time, but not in pride, holding on to what is making us fearful, worried, or anxious. We see the church is to be the picture of heaven on earth through an uncommon devotion. Being devoted to Jesus means being devoted to what Jesus is devoted to. His word, prayer, the fellowship of his people, and the keeping the gospel, remembering the gospel at the forefront at all times and all things. Man, how easily do we forget? The church is to be the picture of community in heaven on earth through its uncommon character of heaven that is to shine in it and through it. The uncommon character of heaven that is compassion. You think that would stand out in our world today? Compassion, love, forgiveness. This is the character of Jesus. Kindness, gentleness, patience. Here's a big one. Forgiveness. The church is to be the picture of the community of heaven on earth through the uncommon speech of heaven. Remember? The uncommon speech of heaven. What's the purpose God's given us words for? To be the means of grace into the life of another, not to tear them down. But to build one another up. Let no corrupting, spoiled, putrid speech of self-promotion or gossip or malice. Remember, there's no shouting matches in the house of God. The uncommon speech of heaven. The church is to be the picture of heaven on earth through the uncommon training of the next generation. And i got to tell you, wow, since that message two weeks ago, it has been just like overwhelming to see the response of that, of this church raising up to go after the next generation and training up its children in the discipleship and instruction of the Lord. It has been amazing. You just wait till the packages that are coming out next week for the kids in the service. Oh, spoiler alert. Bring it on. Praise the Lord. Rally it up, church. And lastly, we see here the picture of the church is to be the picture of the community of heaven on earth through its uncommon culture of heaven. The uncommon culture of genuine love, not hypocritical love. Not saying I love you, but wanting selfish motives out of that. Genuine love, fervent service, all hands on deck. But I got school, I got a job, I got this. We have Jesus, we're called to fervently press in and serve. Makes no sense why we would do that apart from Jesus' work in us. fervent service and steadfast faith that is anchored to our Savior no matter the pandemic that hits. And all of that leads to this. Watch this. So beautiful. And when the world church sees the picture of the community of heaven in action, what does that lead to? Right here, you'll see it on the screen. An uncommon impact. An uncommon impact in the world around us. And here's our big idea we're going to unpack today. Write this down. Take this with us. It's so important. And here it is. When we live as an uncommon community in Jesus, we have an uncommon impact through Jesus. There's the big idea for today. When we live in an uncommon community in Jesus, in his power, by his spirit together, he makes sure that his people have an uncommon impact through his power at work in them. Beautiful, but there's a problem. There's a problem we face as we close out this series. And I've been praying over you, church, so much this week, over myself That when we hear a series like this, here's so often the problem. We get so fired up for a few weeks, don't we? 
It's like, yeah, uncommon speech and uncommon character and yeah, genuine love and training up the kids and yeah, I'm all fired up. You get fired up for the weeks that the series is running for. But guess what? When the series ends, so does the fervency. When the series ends, we go back to old patterns. We begin to walk in pride again and not humility. We begin to live with the distractions instead of an uncommon focus. We begin to live with that apathy in the mundane, in the routine, instead of fervency and endurance. Don't we? We slip back into old patterns. We, we leak all the time. We leak. And so what is the result of this? We quickly look like the rest of the world. Again, the common culture. We lose our distinction, and what does that mean? We lose our impact. We lose our impact in the world around us. But I want to encourage us today, Hope Ottawa. Ready? It doesn't have to be this way. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. Amen? And he lives inside his people. He's just as fervent for it as he's ever been to see his church build up. It doesn't have to be that way where it's like, well, that was a nice nine weeks. Now I'll just go back to my job. No, 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 no. Here in our text today, watch this. We are going to see three truths. How do we keep that fervency? How do we keep this distinction in the power of the Holy Spirit? Three truths we must believe and increasingly live in light of each day. This is our kingdom responsibility, loved ones. If you are here and you are saved in Jesus Christ, this is our kingdom responsibility to increasingly live in light of these three truths each day if we are to not only see the daily opportunities for the gospel that Jesus puts literally right in front of us every day. Every day they're there. But not only see them, and then faithfully step into them and see and witness Jesus building his kingdom through spirit-empowered gospel impact. Ready to go? Nothing can stop this. Everyone say, you can't stop this. You can't stop this, church. Let's go. Let's stand honor the authority of God's word. And we will read Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Here we go. Acts 3, 1 to 10. The lame beggar healed. Let's go, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Yeah, let's read this together. Come on. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Awesome. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Hear the word of the Lord. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. 
All right, exciting days for the gospel. Here we go. To have an uncommon impact through Jesus, first thing we see is this. You must believe it's never just another moment. It's never just another moment. Every moment is a kingdom opportunity. Loved ones, you want to keep the fervency of the gospel right at the forefront of your mind and on your hearts? We have to understand every moment is another kingdom opportunity. Here's the question confronting us out of the first five verses. Are you living with gospel expectancy? Are you living with gospel expectancy? I love this. Watch this. Context. Here we are, Jerusalem. The festival of Pentecost has just happened where Jesus has given his followers the power of the Holy Spirit. You can read about that in Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit is poured out. And here's the result of this. The early church is booming. The early church is booming, and thousands are being saved as the gospel is preached. And the church devotes itself to Jesus and to one another in living as an uncommon community. And earlier in the series, we unpacked the blueprint of this a few verses earlier from Acts 2, 42 to 47. I suggest you go back and go through that again. But now we see this. So we've been looking at the internal work of the church. And now we get a larger picture of the impact of the church. As they devoted themselves to this. And we see the impact it's having in the day-to-day life on the unbelieving world as it happens. Look at verse 1 to 5 again. Ready? Now Peter and John are going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate. Why is he there? To ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. I love this response. Watch this. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Watch this. Here we are, the ninth hour of prayer. You see it right there? The ninth hour of the day. What is this? It's 3 p.m. 3 o'clock in the afternoon. In Jewish tradition, even to this day, there's three times of prayer. The day begins at 6 a.m., And the three times of prayer were at the third hour, 9 a.m., the sixth hour, 12 p.m., and the ninth hour, 3 p.m. And so Peter and John, along with the rest of the Christians of the early church, they kept these times of prayer along with the Jewish tradition. Only they wouldn't go to offer sacrifices like the rest of the Jews. They would go to the temple to witness. They would go to the temple to pray and to worship. And this was, get this, here, don't miss this. This was a normal routine for them. This was a quote-unquote mundane activity on their daily agenda. They would go to the temple and they would see the same people doing the same things day after day after day. You got anyone in your life like that? See the same people. It's like I was saying in our pre-service prayer time tonight. You know, when I'm on my prayer walks in the day, I see the same neighbors walking literally almost in the same spots day after day after day. They'd seen this guy before. He'd been laid daily there. Watch what happens. And where where, where this? They, They reach the beautiful gate. What's the beautiful gate? You'll see it on the screen. Look it up there. You'll see the beautiful gate of the temple. There it is. Okay, close up shot. 
You'll see it, and this is where this guy's seated, up those steps, going into the gate to the temple proper. And this was prime position for this guy. He'd been doing this for 40 years. He knew the best place to get the most money. Because there was no greater place for people who wanted to appear pious so that God would hook them up with a little more favor. If they were walking in the temple and they they see a guy begging and say, okay, I'll give him lots, so maybe God will just give me some more favor on that. So this guy knew where to get the biggest grab and haul of alms. Now let's find out a little bit more about this man. What do we know about this guy? Do you see the text? Go to the text. As we go on to find out in Acts 4.22, you can check it. Make sure you check it, by the way. Don't take my word for it. Acts 4.22, you see this man was more than 40 years old. This guy's more than 40 years old, and he had been lame since birth. What does that mean? This guy had never walked a step in his life. In 40 years, over 40 years. He'd never walked a step in his life. And he's asking for alms. What are alms? These are charitable donations of money and goods given to beggars by those going into the temple. Now, what we see right here at the start, this man isn't just broke. Church, eyes up. He's not just broke. This man is broken. This man is not just broke. This man is broken. And you and I, loved ones, are surrounded by broken people every single day. Some disguise it better than others. This guy's broken, he's humiliated. This guy's hopeless. You see, do you see the shame in this guy's life? Did you pick it up from verse 4? Go back to verse 4 again. This man wasn't even making eye contact with people walking by him. Why did Peter have to say, look at us? Because he just had his hand out and his head down. He was so filled with shame, he couldn't even look. And you think, after being passed by, by thousands of people day after day, not even stopping to pay attention to you, you start to think that you're the animal you're being treated as. That's sad. And the same is today. And yet, watch what happens. When he interrupts Peter and John, he asks for alms. He's got his hand up. Can't you see that? They're walking in to the temple gate. He interrupts the mass for alms. Instead of just tossing some money or some other good at the lap of man to get them out of the way so they can get on to doing what's more important, what do they do? They direct their gaze at him and they ask him to look at them. You see that in verse four? They ask him to look at them. Look at us. Eyes up. Eyes up. How many times do you think that man heard that over the course of a day? Probably never. Never. And the man does. You see, see what Peter and John did we need to learn from right here? They gave him their undivided attention. Wasn't like Peter had his iPhone with him. And they see this guy in the temple and the guy's got his hand up. He's like, yeah, yeah, hey buddy, what what do you need? I got got stuff to, what what do you need? I'll give you a little air time here. I'm just going to scroll through my phone. No. Undivided attention. 
It wasn't, hey, hey, yeah, I know you're there, but it's my schedule at all costs. I got a routine to keep. I mean, come on. I, I got my stuff to do. I'm just going to walk right past. Okay, here, here's a little question. What do you do? He gazed at him. He stopped. Are we stopping? Are we? See, put those gate picks back up there, please, team. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes right here. You're going up to the temple to pray right there, and it's packed. That courtyard is packed with thousands upon thousands of people. And this is a normal, quote-unquote, daily routine for you. You do this day after day, three times a day, and you've seen this guy, and it would be so easy for you and me to miss how the Lord wanted to work in a fresh way in that man's life that day. You've seen him every day. Like, the Lord can't really change. Ah, there's that guy again. What about the fresh way God wants to work there with that person he's laid daily in front of you? See, no doubt there's hundreds of noisy people, thousands of people moving towards the temple in a rush so they could get in on time for the afternoon prayer session. And yet, look at this. Right in the middle of this, would you see the opportunity right here? Would I? Or would it be all about your schedule? All about your reputation? Talking to that guy? See, put yourself in their shoes. What would you do? See, this right here, loved ones, is a God-given moment of interruption for you. It's a God-given moment of interruption for you. Hey, question, would you take it? Would you take it? Or would it be like, can't be interrupted, got my schedule, got my agenda to keep, I've got better people to witness to. Would you take it? Would I? See, at this point, you and I have a choice to make, just like Peter and John had a choice to make. Engage the interruption or miss the moment for gospel impact. There's your choice. Engage it or miss it. See, here's what we need to understand. You'll see it on the screen. Where our flesh sees interruptions to avoid, God sees investments to make. I'll say it again nice and slow. Where our flesh sees interruptions to avoid, God sees investments to make. Kingdom investments to make. See, loved ones, every moment is a kingdom opportunity. Yes, every moment. Are you living with gospel expectancy? And you say, why is this so important? Here's why. Because the expectation of Christ's work positions us for faithfulness in Christ's work. Can Jesus change that person, that co-worker's life you've sat beside the last three years? Oh, you bet. Will you expect it? And will you engage the interruptions that may come from it? expectation of Jesus' work positions us for faithfulness in his work. It's like, okay, Jesus, who have you laid in front of me today? It's not like, who do you need to get out of my way today? It's who have you laid daily in front of me today? Loved ones, there are people whom God has put around us every day who are crying out 
for the intentional gospel investment into their lives. And nobody, nobody wants to invest in them more than Jesus. Right in the middle of the so-called mundane or routine. Can we just get this off the table? There is no mundane moment in the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. There is no mundane moment in the kingdom of heaven. Every moment is another opportunity for God's glory. There's no mundane moment. You think I'm just going through the motions, it's just to a grocery store, it's just to, you know, my work, and just, yeah, okay, hey, how you doing, the security check-in guy, and okay. There's never a mundane moment in the kingdom of heaven. See, but do we live? Do we live, loved ones, with a mindset of expectancy for Jesus to give us fresh opportunities to show himself powerful on our behalf in those quote-unquote normal moments, places, and with people that we're in and around each day. It's so easy to be distracted from this, isn't it? It's, I gotta get my schedule. It's about other things, looking other places, heads down on our phones, walking around, passing by thousands of people, saying this, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. I gotta get my work done, I gotta do this. I, I, don't, have, I don't have time or I'm just, I, this is just too normal, this situation. When I go on the missions trip across the ocean, then there's expectancy. When I go to the conference, you know, I was so blessed by a testimony recently by someone in, in the church, and they say, you know what, I love coming Saturday nights because I've just never experienced this. I used to always think that I need to go to a conference to hear God's word preached like this and, and to worship like this and to fellowship. There was expectancy there, but now I expect it every weekend. Praise the Lord. It's never just another service. Are we expecting God to work in fresh ways? See, loved ones, <clears throat> it's so easy to say, well, Jesus doesn't really care about the mundane stuff. He doesn't really care about the opportunities on the bus. He doesn't really care about the opportunities. You know, like, as I'm working on the spreadsheet, I just punch in numbers. Like, what? he doesn't care. Oh, he cares very much. We so often say, I'll get around to it in a different season. Hey, can we, this is reminded of this. Can we just get this out there? God rarely works on the schedule we think we need to have for ourselves. Would you agree? God rarely works on the schedule that we think we need to keep for ourselves. Just look at John 4.35. You'll see it on the screen. He's talking to the disciples. They're like, you know, harvest is coming. When's all this harvest of souls? Jesus says, do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? we got to wait four months. We'll wait for that opportunity. Look what he says. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. Direct your gaze out here. Off here. Off here here and out here. Lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Who are the people around you that have been laid daily? Just think, even as you're, even as you're going right now, as the Holy Spirit is at work, bringing those people to mind, who are they? Just write them down. Who has been laid daily in front of you? Maybe it's this. Your spouse, your kids. Hey, parents, 
I know this too. Parenting can be pretty inconvenient to our own schedules, wouldn't you say? Chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Yeah. It can be pretty inconvenient at times to how we want to do things and when. How about this? Your coworkers, your classmates, your friends that you see each day, your neighbor that you walk by. Here it is with the Christmas invites that you give out. Do you really think you're just, oh, no one will take, really? They're at the back, pick them up before you leave tonight. Clear them out. It's never just another invite. You see, who are the people around you that have been laid daily and God's asking you to interrupt your schedule to pursue on his behalf to sow seed for eternal impact by his power at work in you? And I want to encourage us with this. You say, well, it's just me engaging that person. It's just a conversation. It's just handing them an invitation. Hey, can I remind you of this? You'll see it on the screen. There is nothing insignificant when done for the kingdom of heaven. There is nothing insignificant done when it is done for the kingdom of heaven, for the glory of Jesus. Are you living with gospel expectancy? Because here's the real, here's the real deal. You say, well, yeah, I've been talking to that person for months, and it just seems like there's nothing. I've been talking to that person. I've invited that person to, to services before. I've, I've prayed with that person. It just seems like nothing's happening. Do you ever feel like nothing's happening? Yeah, yeah. But here, here's the reality. You never know when that seed will grow. Say it again. You never know when that seed will grow. You never know when that seed will grow. God's power, God's timing, his way. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. The fields are white. Keep sowing. See, to witness uncommon impact of Jesus, you must believe it's never just another moment. Every moment is another kingdom opportunity. And why is every moment an opportunity? Here's why. Point two, because it's never just another name. It's never just another name. The power is in the name of Jesus. Amen? It's never just another name. The power's in the name of Jesus. But here's a question confronting us. Will you believe he's enough? Will you believe he's enough? See, this beggar, he's in for the shock of his life right now. Look at six to eight, right here. Six to eight, keep going. Watch this. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Notice the exclamation point. He's not like, hey, rise up and walk. There's confidence, expectancy, faith, boldness. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately, his feet and ankles were made strong. Immediately. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. After 40 years. See, this man is about to receive something all right, but it was nothing like what he expected it would be. He's looking for a coin. He's got a new life. 
Instead of giving him the silver and gold he was hoping for and needed, Peter offers him nothing less than the power and presence of Jesus Christ. It's all Peter had to give. It's not like the apostles were loaded. It's not like they could go around giving handouts and inserting their debit card and getting a whole bunch of money. They had nothing. They were poor. This is all he had. Peter was completely dependent on Jesus. And it was all that it was needed. And notice the, the verse 8. Don't miss the magnitude of this. The word leaping there in verse 8 in the original language means this. It means bubbling up or springing up. It's not like this guy was like, uh, sort of. He's like, boom. You'll see a picture of it. It means like water coming up out of a fountain. <laughs> That's awesome. After over 40 years, this guy's on, on the steps. And all of a sudden, whoom! And he starts leaping. His ankles. Does that not fire you up, loved ones? Look at the power of our God to restore a life, to give new life in a moment. Who's that hardest person right now? You're thinking God couldn't get them. Who is it? You might not say it with your mouth, but you've believed it in your heart. That person's too far gone. I've been praying for them too long. Nothing's going to happen. You keep praying. You keep sowing. Look at this man. 40 years. Boom. If there was anyone who would think he's too far gone, it's him. 40 years as an invalid? Really? Not when face to face with the power of Jesus. Come on. Come on. See, this guy, after 40 years, immediately gets up, starts walking, leaping, praising God. You still think it's just another moment? Good on you. See, notice this. Here's the thing we got to notice from the text. Did you notice it? Peter had to be willing to engage the guy in faith. He had to be willing to stop what he was doing. There's a kingdom priority over Peter priority here. There's a kingdom priority. He had to be willing to stop serving himself, his routine, and go after this guy. See, now just live in the text. What would, you, what would you be thinking right now if you were Peter? Put yourself in Peter's shoes. You have this God-given opportunity right in front of you, and yet you have nothing to give this man. And he, hey, does anyone here ever feel when God puts a gospel opportunity in front of you like you have nothing to say, nothing to give, no answers? You ever feel like that? I feel like that. Okay, good, I'm not alone. So, so you think about this. Peter... Peter had nothing to give this guy other than the love and power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit that is living in him. Hey, hey, would he have been enough for you in this moment to try that, to do that? Under the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Is he today enough? Or are we afraid? Afraid to engage? Afraid to pray for? Afraid to share with? Are we? See, today we so often think we can't step into what Jesus is calling us to because we don't think we're equipped. We don't think we're equipped. We don't have the right words. I don't have the right training. I never went to seminary. I never got my degree in evangelism. I never did all this. I, I just don't know enough. We won't know what to say. And as a result, look, that's our pride talking. We need to repent of that, loved ones. That's our pride. That's not from God. The result from that is we begin to rely on ourselves and our abilities because to say, I don't have the words. Well, who said you needed to rely on yourself? Where'd that come from? Your pride. You say, well, I don't, I don't have the training. I, 
we begin to rely on ourselves and our abilities and begin, we get, begin to doubt God's ability to work for his glory in us and through us in that situation. See, be encouraged with this, friends. You'll see it on the screen. In Jesus, you have everything you need to do, everything that he's calling you to do right now. I'm going to say that again. Someone needs to hear this. Maybe just my own heart needs to hear this. In Jesus, you have everything you need to do, everything that he's calling you to do right now. In the life of your kids, in the life of your neighbor, in the life with your spouse, in your classmates, in your coworkers, in your housemates, whoever it is, you have all that you have because you have him. And he came and lived a perfect life, not sinning once for 33 years. And he went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine, taking on the wrath of God as the perfect sacrifice. And he died and was buried for three days and after three days defeated the power of sin and death. He defeated it all and is raised to life. Oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Amen. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I have all we need to do everything he's calling you and I to do. Corporately as a church and individually as his sons and his daughters. Do not doubt that. The power, hey, be, be encouraged with this. Eyes up here, eyes up here, ready? The power is in the message, not the messenger. You need to remember this. The power's in the message. The power's in the gospel. The power is driven by the Holy Spirit. It's not in the messenger. You and I have no power to change a life. Don't let that stop you from engaging the life. There, it, it, Will you be faithful to show up and slow down, call on his name, and step out in faith? Will you be faithful? Put the phone down. Put your schedule down. Get your eyes up. The fields are white. Call on his name and engage in faith. See, the power's in the name of Jesus. Will you believe he's enough? Because here's the truth. Be encouraged with this hope. 90% of being faithful is just showing up. Show up. Jesus will take care of the rest. Like Peter, show up. Be available. See, because you'll see this on the screen, being so encouraged. Jesus is not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. Jesus is not looking for your ability or mine. Praise the Lord. He's looking for our availability. Will you engage that so-called interruption in front of you? Why? Because the power to change a life is not coming from you. It's coming from Jesus inside of you. Your responsibility, my responsibility, is never to transform a life. Uh-uh. It is to engage the life in the power of Christ and let him transform it for his glory. See, Peter's dependency was not on himself, but on Christ alone, and that was enough. Is it for you? Is it for you? And it's only right, loved ones, it's only right that we, we take this step in knowing that living with uncommon impact begins repenting, begins with repenting of our unbelief in the power and presence of Jesus. Trying to take his place. The uncommon impact in our lives, starts with repentance of that, 
Repentance of the prideful dependency on self and other things. Repentance of our excuses we make for not engaging the life in front of us. My reputation. What if they see me talking to that person? My schedule. What if I don't get this stuff done? My control. Well, this just isn't what I planned for during the day. And we make our reputation more important than God's. Our schedule more important than his. Begins with repentance. Begins with repenting of a love for self more than a love for him and those around us. And it begins with this crying out, Lord, increase my faith to believe. Help my unbelief. I believe you're enough and will use me in my, all of my inadequacy. Please help my unbelief. Here I am. Use me, whatever the cost, to whatever the end. You want uncommon impact? There's where it starts. Use me, whatever the cost. Will we get beyond our own schedules, loved ones? Our own comfort zones? To witness the uncommon impact of Jesus, you must believe it's never just another moment. Every moment's a kingdom opportunity. And you must believe it's never just another name that lives in us. The power's in the name of Jesus. And when we step out in his name, lastly, it's this. We must believe it's never just another isolated act. It's never just an isolated act. God does not work in isolation. Faithfulness is multiplied. Will you trust even when you can't see it? Faith. Look at, look at this. Let's close it out. Verses 9 and 10. So good. And all the people saw him. Talk about faithfulness being multiplied, right? Thousands of people going into the temple. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. See, notice this. After the man is raised up, all the people who knew this man and had seen him sitting outside the temple for the last 40 years, they couldn't help but be filled with awe. Do you see that in the text, verse 10? An awe, a reverence for the power of God in changing this man's life. And if that wasn't enough, all the people going in the temple, notice this, the impact of God through one man not only displayed his glory to all who recognized him going into the temple, but notice this, but he continued to display his glory through Peter's preaching of the gospel that came in response to this act. Just look at verses 11 to 26. And as a result of that sermon, another 5,000 men get added to the church. That doesn't even include the women that came. You'll see that right there in Acts chapter 4. That's amazing. And you might say this, well, Peter's like, Peter spent time with Jesus. He's this super apostle, and I don't, I don't have that. I can't do this. Can I just remind us of this? 50 days before this, Peter was denying Jesus in front of a little servant girl. And now he's getting up preaching. What changed? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. It's not like he went to seminary for 50 days. Holy Spirit. There it is. See, Jesus happened. Not only this, but, but this account. Notice the, notice the multiplied faithfulness here. The work of the Lord. This account continues to impact our lives here today. Look at us preaching about it. 
and millions of other people around the world, all through one act of God, through one servant of God who stepped in to be faithful and expected God to work through it. Billions of people. Faithfulness is multiplied. See, here's the truth we need to be encouraged by. Supernatural acts of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. Just stop. Engage. Supernatural acts of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. And here, here I'm going to say it again. We need to remember this. There is nothing insignificant when it is done for the kingdom of heaven. In your jobs, in your neighborhood, in your playgroups, in your class, when you serve in the church, it's never just another Saturday. It's never just another handshake that goes on out there. It's never just another hello. It's never just another cable that you're running. It's never just another activity that you're doing. This is why we serve together with fervency, because of the uncommon impact. More people serve, more impact happens. Hey, hey, loved ones. I think of even hope kids, you know, that child you're teaching, the baby you're holding and you're praying over in the nursery, God will use that to display his glory. You bet he will. Faithfulness is multiplied. Welcome, production, setup, greeting on the way in, hearing the worship through the sound system that was set up. Let's be clear. You and I are called to be the instruments of uncommon gospel impact for God's glory to see his power, might, and love poured out through you as you intentionally invest in those around you. Who is it? And as you take your place in being part of something bigger than yourself and your own agenda, you step into the kingdom agenda. Now you're positioning for uncommon impact. Uncommon community lives on the uncommon king, a kingdom agenda. You'll see this, remember this. It's not our job to understand how God will use it for his glory. You say, well, how you, it's just a handshake. How are you going to use it? It's not our job to understand that. But to walk in faithful and expectant obedience, knowing that he will. And you may say, well, I, I can't do very much. Listen, as John Piper put this, he said, what matters is not how much you have, but if it is utterly devoted to the purposes of God. Boom. Faithfulness is multiplied. Will you trust even when you can't see it? Peter probably didn't know at this point we'd be talking about it right now. This is why it's never just another moment. Every moment is an opportunity. It's never just another name. The power's in the name of Jesus. And it's never just another isolated act. Faithfulness is multiplied. So who has been laid daily in front of you? That God is calling you to engage for his glory. And if you're here and you've never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you don't have this power in you. The power of the Holy Spirit only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, repenting of your sin and confessing him as your Lord and Savior. That is your first step. And you have been laid daily right here for such a time as this, for this word. What will you do with Jesus right now? Today, the Bible says, when you hear his, heart, hear his voice, do not harden your heart. 
and today will be the day of your salvation. And believers, be encouraged with this. We see it on the screen. We aren't called to contain Christ, but to proclaim him. We are not called to contain Christ, but to proclaim him. You were not saved. I was not saved to keep it to ourselves. So we can run and hide no matter what happens with government decisions or things going on around us. We were not saved to keep it to ourselves. The power is in the name of Jesus. And God never works in isolation. You and I are called to live lives of uncommon impact for the kingdom through the power of Christ in you. And it starts with this. Lord, open my eyes to see. Open my heart to believe and open my mouth and my hands to engage. There it is. Now you're positioned. Fields are white. Let's go, loved ones. Let's go.